0: Here in the Zone with Brandon Kravitz on FM 96.9 The Game. Welcome back to in the zone live from the Amway center today, getting set for magic versus Mavericks tonight. We're going to talk some NFL and NBA with our first guest of the day. Nick Whalen joins me from com. You can catch Nick and company on Sirius XM nightly on their fantasy network. That's channel 87 and the NBA fantasy basketball podcast. Nick and I drop an episode together every Wednesday afternoon, Nick, a big weekend for you. Um, you got married, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm honestly shocked that we're even having this conversation right now because I would uh, I'd venture to guess you didn't exactly lock in the way that you typically would for college football, NBA, and, and NFL over the weekend.
1: You're not wrong about that, Brandon, and, and thank you for for the congratulations. I apologize yeah. to you know the myriad of you know beautiful women that I know listen to your show and listen to our fantasy basketball podcast every Wednesday. But I, I'm officially off the market. Uh, that the dream is dead.
0: Yeah, um, they're, done, they're nonetheless, you know, about I, it.
1: yeah, right. You could you could really tell. um You know, the wedding was on Friday, so I actually was able to to get my usual you know sports weekend in. You know, Saturday we, we kind of took it easy. I was, we got got. Dual TVs going in the living room. We had USC Washington on the bottom. We had LSU Alabama on the top, and then you know went out and played some golf Sunday morning. Got back in time for the noon slate, so I, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm still still a little bit foggy. You know, maybe wasn't quite as locked in on the NBA on Friday specifically as I typically would be, but looking forward to breaking it all down man a lot happened this weekend
0: all right so that means you missed a little in-season tournament action and the uh, mind bend that is some of the courts around the league but let's start in the nfl we'll work our way to the nba so there's a lot i want to get to here in a short period of time which nfl fan base do you think should feel the most dejected today when they go into work they talk yeah. to their friends are we talking bill's Another loss for them against top-tier competition. They just can't get over the hump against mm-hmm. Cincinnati. The Miami Dolphins, uh, who have very similar issues week to week. And the Dallas Cowboys. These are all teams that just seem like they're struggling in, in ways that their fan bases are very familiar with. So who, who amongst that group feels the most detached today?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you include some other teams, it's like a seven-way tie between a bunch of teams dealing with sadness right now. It's like the Atlanta Falcons. I would throw in there who took you know the, the most Falconsy loss of all time. Uh, you know, my, my big fear coming into that one, Brandon, was that we'd see Josh Dobbs at some point, and you know he came in even earlier than I thought, and and of course you know goes in and hands the Falcons just like their fifth devastating loss of the season. But you know, among those those bigger name teams that you mentioned, it's tough because I, I actually feel like Dallas played pretty well played well enough to win that game against Philly and had some, some pretty ridiculous things, you know, not go their way, uh, coming up inches short, you know, on a two point conversion, inches short on a touchdown, you know, even the CD land play at the end of the game. Uh, you know, if he runs that a yard deeper, you know, maybe he's able to push across the goal line. So, you know, certainly with Dallas, it does feel like, you know, when they've run into these big games that they do tend to come up short, but I was actually pretty encouraged with, with how they played overall. I, I think Philly is a really, really good team. I don't think there's any shame in going on the road at Philly having some things go against you and losing that game by five. I think if you're Dallas, you feel pretty good about, you know, getting a a similar result, but you're on the other end of it. When that game is in Dallas, you know, Miami, I I don't, I really don't know what to think of the dolphins anymore. Um, This is now three times, right. They've had three opportunities and every, every game has been either on the road or at a neutral site. We should say that they've had some kind of bad schedule luck where, you know, I I think if, if, teams like Philly and Buffalo and Casey are going to Miami, you know, maybe that's a bigger advantage, but, to put up 14 points on the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs have like 50 yards of total offense in the second half. KC did not play well in this game. I and mean, it was there for the taking for Miami. So to me, that that's what's frustrating, right? You know, it's one thing if you you go down like 41 to 40 against Patrick Mahomes. But, man, you hold the Chiefs to 21 points and you don't win that game on a neutral site. I think that has to be disappointing. Uh, and then, of course, the Bills, they're 5-4, and four, man. I, I We're never going to be able to fully toss them out. And you know, when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, when you've had the success that they've had, you can never fully cross them off and they they do have a, a you know kind of nicer stretch of schedule coming up here with the Broncos and the Jets these next few games. But they're they're five and four. They still have to play the Eagles. They still have to play the Chiefs. They still have to play the Cowboys and they get another one against the Dolphins later in the year. I mean, we're 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 at the point where look, I don't think Buffalo's gonna miss the playoffs, but with how with how competitive the AFC is, like they're that, that's a real possibility at this point.
0: Yeah, uh, and if the Jets get a win tonight, uh, tonight they'll have a better record than the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to keep our eyes on that. Would it be fair to say that the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now?
1: It's fair to say. I I don't know that you could really say it definitively when there's a team down at Jacksonville uh, sitting at 6-2 that, that actually faces the Ravens. I was, was talking to our guy, John McKechnie, about uh, maybe making the pilgrimage uh, down to Jacksonville to, to catch that game with him later this year. Uh, no, I, I think, I think they're absolutely in the conversation. And I, I think based on what we've seen from Kansas city, especially these last few weeks, I know the chiefs are seven and two. They just got what should be a big win over the dolphins, but it's just, it's so ugly, man. It does not resemble anything you know that we've seen from the chiefs over the last few years. And they've had, they've had their lulls before, but this, this to me seems more severe. It seems like something that they're not just going to be able to shake off at some point and I, I remain shocked that they weren't more aggressive in, in trying to get some help for Patrick Mahomes at the trade deadline. You know, Baltimore's rolling right now. There, there's no question about that. I mean, we, this is another team that's kind of gone through its ups and downs. You know, you're always kind of worried about the injuries. They always feel like they're the most banged-up team in the league. Uh, but but the way that they have the running game rolling right now, I mean, you see 37 points on the board yesterday. And it was like a subpar fantasy day for Lamar Jackson. Like, I, I have a going in a bunch of leagues, and I was you know out on the golf course. I'm like, all right, man, this is going to be great. Lamar probably gave me 30 points. You didn't even have to do anything. I mean, this offensive line, the way they're playing, just completely dominated Seattle. Keaton Mitchell looks fantastic. That's another weapon for them. Uh, you know, they, they have a couple big games coming up. You know, They play the Browns. They play the Bengals. They play the Chargers in consecutive weeks. They still get the Jags. They still get the Niners later in the year as well. So Baltimore is going to have a, a pretty clear chance uh, to definitively prove that they are the best team in the AFC.
0: Did Keaton Mitchell steal that job? Is this a guy? I would think that at this point he becomes the hottest waiver ad, probably more of a conversation t- for tomorrow when we sit back and let all of that mm-hmm. sort of uh, settle in. But it, uh, Gus Edwards, I, I only know this from I was mean, watching Red Zone, and that game was shown less and less frequently as the day went right. along because it was such a blowout. I actually had Gus Edwards under 60. It was around like 66 rushing yards. He had 52 mm-hmm. in the first half. And so I thought, okay, On well, five this, carries. this bet is dead. And then he didn't have another rushing yard for the rest of the game. So, And I didn't see anything injury-wise. So I don't know if they, if the Ravens were just like, yeah, why don't you just take the rest of the day off? Or Keaton Mitchell mm-hmm. does look like their most explosive running back. So interesting fantasy stuff there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and Gus Edwards you know, still had a, a reasonable day, right? He had two touchdowns. So if you threw him out there, yeah. even though he barely played the second half, it worked out for you. Uh, I know he was dealing with a toe injury coming into the week. So it was to me, it was probably something where it's like, all right, you know, we're up three scores. Uh, we got some other backs we want to get a look at. Just just kind of take the second half off. Uh, but you, you're right about Keith Mitchell, man. I think he's going to be the clear prize on the waiver wire this week. He was on IR to begin the season. And, I mean, you can just tell the, the way that he jumps off the screen. Nothing against Justice Hill. Nothing against Gus Edwards. Uh, nothing against Melvin Gordon. Whatever, whatever backs have, have kind of you know, shifted their way through Baltimore these last few years. A lot of these guys kind of feel replacement level. They just kind of get the job done. But I think Keaton Mitchell has significantly more juice uh, than the rest of these dudes. And you know, we got to 138 yards, Brandon, on nine carries. He only played 14 yeah. snaps. He he, carried, he he touched the ball on, on nine of 14 snaps. He was targeted once in the passing game as well. Uh, so I, I think with such a small sample, you know, you're still going to be a little skeptical, especially with the game against Cleveland coming up next. But I think the plan all along was eventually to get Keaton Mitchell up to speed and, and be that guy I, I do still think, though, in the short term, Justice Hill is going to be involved. Gus Edwards is going to be involved. And it almost reminds me of what we were talking about with Miami early in the season.
0: We, uh, yeah, and Keaton Mitchell does give me Devon Achan vibes, so that, that that definitely checks out. We're talking to Nick Whalen from com. Let's transition over to the NBA. Live out at Amway today, another Magic game tonight. They have the Mavericks in the house. Mavericks on the second night of a back-to-back here. The Magic are 4-2. and two. This is actually, in terms of the record of the two teams playing, two of the best teams in the NBA right now. Um, so I'll say that as long as I can. From an outsider's view, has that hot start for the Magic changed your perception at all of what this team can achieve, or is this just simply a good start through six games?
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's adjusted anything for me. I've, as you know, I've viewed the Magic as kind of a, a fringe play-in level team. I, I know you're probably a little bit higher on them than I am uh, you know, got a nice win, I, I suppose, over the Lakers on Saturday, although I'm, I'm pretty low on the Lakers. I, I think this is a, a bad team, you know, outside of LeBron, Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves. I, I think when they, you know, when, when they bring in role players, they always kind of get a, a boost that they don't deserve just because they play for the Lakers. And we're seeing, you know, how truly tragic some of those guys are when they're asked to play 25 minutes. Uh, but again, not to take anything away from Orlando. You beat the Lakers, you beat the Jazz, you beat the Trailblazers and you beat the Rockets. Fine, yeah. you know, not, not, yep. not not exactly, you know, juggernauts in there. I, I think if they if they come out and they beat the Dallas Mavericks at home tonight, you know that that will be a, a statement type of win. Dallas is five and one right now. Kyrie's been in and out; hasn't really been playing that well when he's been in there. Uh, you know, Luca. I think if you if you hand out an MVP two weeks in, maybe he's the guy based on the numbers that he's put up. But uh, you know, certainly, it's it's not a negative start by any means for the Orlando Magic, and it's been good to see Bancaro, you Banchero know, start to get back on track these last few games. Franz Wagner has looked fantastic, but here we are again, Brandon. I mean, this is probably a bigger deal for fantasy than real life, but every single year, Wendell Carter finds a way to, to miss like 20-plus games, and it feels like we're yeah. heading that way again.
0: For sure. Uh, the good news is is uh, you've got backups that are putting up similar numbers. Mm-hmm. So uh, Goga Bataze five blocks the other night. He went, he uh, went
1: for a- $53 on waivers at stake. Really this week. Ken, you can thank Ken Kreitz for that one. That was wild. That was one of the, the wilder waiver pickups I've ever seen in that league.
0: <laughs> so that, that'll that be a first, uh, him going for that much. Um, I could talk magic all day, and we've got plenty of that coming up later on in the show. Victor Wimbanyama has been, as advertised, a ho-hum 20.5 block night for him last night. Uh, they take the floor again tonight. Is he actually better than, than you expected at this point? I You know, you and I have talked about this a lot. I was all over him in fantasy. That's paying dividends for me. But uh, is he, just eye test-wise, is he better than what you thought we were going to get?
1: Yes. Yes, he is. He is. He looks better to me significantly than he did even in, in summer league in July. I think he's added weight. I think he looks more fluid. He looks more confident. And I, I think over the last couple of games, we're finally seeing the Spurs actually go out of their way to use him you know, like I was watching that that first Suns game uh I forget what, what night that was last week where they came back and had the wild win at the end and you know Webanyama's you know, doing a great job of moving off the ball he's flashing in the paint you know he can he can kind of hurt you from everywhere and meanwhile Kelton Johnson and Devin Vassell are just jacking up contested threes trying to be the hero and it, it feels like the last couple of nights I don't know if there was some sort of internal conversation but they now they now recognize that hey if we if we run things through this seven foot five guy who can do everything, you know, it's going to benefit ourselves as well. It's going to benefit the team. So I think we're starting to see, okay, here's what Victor Webanyama can do when he is a semi-featured option, as opposed to basically like a, a glorified role player, which is how I felt like they were using him through the first week of the season. But yeah, man, I mean what, what we saw against Toronto last night, it almost feels like I mean that could just be the baseline going forward, right? I mean, that was not even yeah. it's not like you're watching that game and thinking, man, is dominating. It was it was somewhat of a passive twenty nine, four, and five. And, yeah, he's going to be a complete monster for fantasy. I think the block's potential has lived up to the hype. Uh, whenever he's played, 30-plus minutes, he's looked fantastic. Obviously, had the 38-point outing against Phoenix on Thursday night. Yeah, he's, he's he's blown away my expectations. They were high. They were high for a reason. Uh, but he looks more NBA-ready, more confident. And the jump shot, Brandon, that that to me is what's been most depressing because that, that really looked like it was going to be shaky in summer league. And the, the confidence with which he's, he's shooting threes, especially, and the volume, uh, that to me has been surprising.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, a guy that size that can find his own shot the way that he can, it's its really almost hard to believe when you watch it. The Grizzlies are 1-6 right now. Would that qualify as the most surprising thing that we've seen through two weeks of basketball?
1: I think it's its on the list, right? I, I don't think yeah. we've had a ton of, like, you know, crazy results so far, right? You know, you look at the, the bottom of the East right now, and it's like Charlotte, Chicago, Detroit, Washington. It's like, okay, that checks out. You know, uh, you know, Houston, Utah, those teams are struggling. Portland's struggling. We did not expect to see Memphis at 1 and 6. And, you know, they they finally got off the Schneid last night uh, against Portland. But even that one, it you know, was not easy. That was a Blazers team that they'd lost to a couple nights earlier. It, it's one of those things for me, Brandon, where you, you look back and say, okay, maybe we should have seen this coming, right? Because it's not like it, this would be way more disastrous if John Morant was playing and Steven Adams was healthy. But you now you take away both of those guys and. You also take away Tyus Jones, who you know, was the best backup point guard in the league. I think that's something that went a little bit undercovered. And all of a sudden, you know, your, your fourth leading minutes getter this year, Zaire Williams. And you're asking, like, David Roddy and Xavier Tillman and Santi Aldama, uh, now Bisback Bayamba, who's your new starting center out of nowhere. These guys are all playing way bigger roles than they probably should. And I, I think Memphis felt good about their their drafted development with a lot of these players. But It's a little bit different when you're asking them to be the eighth or ninth man uh, on a good team versus like, hey, you got to be our third or fourth option now. And I think we're starting to see some of the side effects of that.
0: Rotawire.com's own, the one and only Nick Whalen. You can catch Nick on sirius xm nightly on the Fantasy Network. That's Channel 87 and on the NBA Fantasy Hoops podcast. Nick's on there a couple times a week. We've got new episodes every single day, and Nick and I drop an episode together every Wednesday. That's the rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Make sure you go and follow that one. Thanks so much, Nick, and congrats again. Sorry to the ladies out there.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Looking forward to chat with you later.
0: More in the zone next.